update with us. First of all, tell me what this is. Oh, um, <laughs> this is beadwork that I was gifted um, by a man that I work with. So gifting and honoring and protocol is something that's very big in Native American communities. And um, it's given out of a sign of respect and also encouragement as well. So um, yeah, I was just at work the one day and came up to, uh, to me and just said, I want you to have this. And I was like, oh, thank you, I receive it. So um, yeah, so uh, like Nate said, my name is Jacob. Um, for those of you who don't know me, it's good to see you all, by the way. Uh, yeah, in this nice warm spring weather that we're having, oh my goodness. Um, up north, we had a, you know, the state had a polar vortex, but, you know, for work, I, I'd have to go back and forth to Minnesota and North Dakota. And in Grand Forks, I think, like, the one day, like, it was, like, like negative, like, 60 or something, like, with the wind chill, and I was like, all right, Lord, I need some relief from this. And, and in North Dakota, when they, when it, when it gets so cold, or when, because, you know, there's no forests or anything or stuff to block the wind, they'll just shut down the whole highway. And uh, my supervisor called me. She's like, you might like want to get off the highway just because well, you, you'll have to like sleep in your car. And I was like, all right, well, <laughs> I'm not really down for that. But Yikes. the Lord provided. He, uh, he, he made a way. And I, I'm grateful um, for the work that I'm able to do. And for those of you who don't know the work that I do, um, right now I, I work in child protection for the Red Lake Nation. I'm a child protection case manager, to be technical about it. And so I'm employed by the tribe. And um, there's cases that I have that open, you know, whether it's domestic abuse, drug-related, um, or anything along those lines. And uh, my goal is to work with parents to be reunited with their children. Um, the reservation that I work for is only one of two reservations, or I think the only reservation in the state that doesn't terminate parental rights. Um, so we really have an <coughs> emphasis on trying to reunite, you know, families with their parents. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm really blessed to be where I am. You know, the Lord has really uh, surrounded me with a good staff and a good team, and, and I'm really thankful for that. So I'm just gonna kind of give an update on how things are going. From a ministry standpoint, um, things are, are going well. So I live in Bemidji, which is between um, the Leech Lake Reservation and the Red Lake Reservation. On the Leech Lake Reservation, I've been asked to be a part of a leadership team that um, is just you know kind of being projected out into the community and twice a month we're doing family fun nights where we, we'll just pass out flyers anyone in the community can come um, and uh, there's a meal there's testimonies that are shared um, and the Lord is really doing a great thing at these family fun nights you know several people have accepted the Lord into their lives and come back on a consistent basis and and on top of that brought other people back with them so um, yeah, it's, it's been a really uh, wonderful time of just connecting with people in the community. And, and this spring and summer, we're hoping to expand upon that. Um, so, you know, in the coming weeks, I'll send Nate, you know, and, and the rest of the team an email. And um, eventually we want to, you know, have you guys come up, you know, if you have a heart to yeah. see what the Lord is doing up there yeah. and being involved. Um, it's, it's How many of you know it's an exciting period of time to be alive, but it's a unique, you know, period of time as well the Lord's doing some really cool things not only in the United States but globally as well but also you know for the people of the land and the people um, who, who are indigenous to those communities we really want to you know go out and, and be available to them in any way that we can um, so be praying about that um, updates will come um, in the in the seasons to come as well uh, personally it's kind of been um, uh, a big time of transition. Um, I was kind of hit with a little bit of adversity kind of in the winter. I became like very, very sick and almost like where I couldn't, you know, almost leave my own home. Um, my, I was in an accident. My car was hit by an intoxicated driver. And I just really felt like the enemy was just like, I, I felt like I was sitting and there's like this glass dome around me and like the enemy was just like banging on the dome, like just trying to like get at me. It was, it was, it was really, um, a discouraging period of time. Well, not even discouraging, but I think just a little bit frustrating. Um, but the Lord, you know, again, you know, uh, his faithfulness is everlasting. And I was, you know, connected with some really solid people and some good people who were really there to support me um, in that time as well. Um, I'm also 
uh, going to be potentially switching positions through my work. Uh, so changing out of child protection, um, I, I just put in for a position for a guardian at litem position through the tribal court. And for those of you who don't know what that is, basically you're the, the eyes and ears of the judge and the advocate you know, for kids living on and off the reservation. And your recommendation that's made to the judge is basically the weighing point whether it's safe or not for kids to stay in their foster homes or the homes of their biological parents. So um, I just prayed about it. I felt like the Lord was calling me into that for this season of time. Um, so be praying that, you know, if that's the position the Lord wants me to have, you know, that I'll, that I'll receive that. Um, I'm also going to be moving to Grand Forks. Red Lake has allowed me to, you know, be able to work from home some of the time. So I'm going to be... Uh, taking some classes at the University of North Dakota and living over there, and then also um, just finishing up my undergraduate work as well. Um, and then uh, just living in the Grand Forks community and you know still being involved with the tribes in Minnesota. Um, so I'll be wrapping that up you know, in the next year or so here. Um, and I'm also praying about uh, potentially applying for law school. I've um, just been weighing that out as well, so. Um, I just emailed Nate about this yesterday, or I think a couple days ago. I'm also in the process of starting a nonprofit. Um, I've partnered with some com people in some communities up north, hoping to be in partnership with Whittier House as well. Um, but this nonprofit will specifically be for kids going to school on the reservation. Um, and so we're looking to launch it in Red Lake by the summer. Just been in talks with the tribal council and some other businesses in the community. Um, and, I, you know, whenever I'm here next, I can expand upon that. But uh, be praying into that as well, that, you know, just the right partnerships will be formed um, and the people to connect with as well. Um, so, yeah, that's really what's going on with me. I just had one scripture or two scriptures I wanted to share with you just in worship. Um, I just really feel like this is a word of encouragement from the Lord. And, uh, you know, how many of you know that winter is an enjoyable season and it's a beautiful season, but it's a hard season, right? You know, you have the cold, you're getting stuck in the ditch, the <laughs> elements are just like swirling around you, you just want to stay in your house like a hobbit. But it's like also, you know, like a period of, you know, it can be a, a really hard spiritual period of time, you know, for people as well. You know, whether it's, you know, loss of family members or finances or just sheer isolation you know, and depression. Um, but I feel like entering into the spring, which we're all grateful is here, I think that <clears throat> the Lord is saying that there's some of you here today where he's transitioning you from a season of hardship into a season of refreshment and a, a season of um, renewing your strength and having your strength renewed. And so in the, in the scripture that I got with that <clears throat> is uh, Isaiah 40, 31, and it says, but they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Um, the Ojibwe word for eagle is megazi. And when you drive into Red Lake, there's a, a government center, um, and there's a, a college, and they're both shaped uh, like giant eagles. Um, and I think that every day I drive by those, you know, and when I, when I was thinking about the scripture, I was like, dang, this is so applicable to the season that so many of us are coming out of, the season of kind of hardship and difficulty uh, and the season of, you know, walking into blessing and being renewed. Um, and I really feel like whoever you are sitting, you know, here today, that that's the season that the Lord is wanting to, to uh, bring you into. And I even saw a picture of, different people running um, almost like a race and you were, you were becoming really tired and really weary but I saw other people almost come alongside you and like hold your arms and prop you up and, and run with you to the point where as they were running with you your strength was being renewed and, and eventually um, you were able to run on your own again but they were always there running alongside you for that moral support and I really believe what the Lord is saying to you in this time is that for some of you, there's going to be people that are going to be brought into your life um, this season um, to be an encouragement or a blessing to you and your family. But once the blessing, once you've received it, these people aren't going to go away. 
they're going to, it's not like, oh, we're here to bless you, you know, see you later. They're going to continuously be running with you throughout these seasons. And as a result of that, you'll be able to encourage each other and seek the Lord together and grow deeper as well. So, and this is just the last verse uh, I want to wrap up with, and it's just Philippians um, 1, 6, and it just says, he who began a good work in you will bring it into completion at the day of Christ Jesus. And I just really believe that the Lord, it's a season of completion for you as well. Um, the work that he's starting in your family, your finances, your individual work, your, your individual walk, uh, I just really believe that this is going to be a season of completion for you or, or the, the good work being started in those things for you. And as seasons go on, you'll see, it'll be so evident the Lord completing that good work you know, in you or your family or whatever your circumstances, like step by step. So I hope that's encouragement to you guys. I love you guys. I bless you guys. Thank you so much for allowing me to share. Um, and uh, the Lord is good. Amen. Let's, let's have a couple of people pray out for Jacob. And, you know, we pray for you regularly. Let's continue to pray for him. It's great when he can come back and share because then it's fresh on our mind and we can picture his face and we can pray for him, I think, a with a little more focus. And also pray about um, helping to support him financially because he's doing this all on his own. And we support him at Lydia House, uh, but he, he lives very sacrificially, okay? Um, and so we want to support him and to support the ministry that he's doing. And don't leave. I have a check for you. Oh. Um, <laughs> And so please pray about um, partnering with us in supporting him in this way. So just two or three people, pray out, please, for Jacob. Abba, Father, thank you for my brother Jacob. I pray that you would bless him in his ministry, that you would prepare for him. Lord, I pray that those people that you've been speaking to for generations, God, not long before Jacob and I and all of us were ever born, you have been speaking since the beginning of creation to every single soul that's ever lived on the face of this earth. I pray, God, that that prophecy, that renewal, would come to that tribe and that you would do it through your Holy Spirit living inside of Jacob and that, God, you would give him favor like you gave Paul favor when he went into these cities that didn't know about Jesus and that people would just see him in you. Uh, that, that they would see Jesus in you, Jacob, and that they would desire him. Please make that happen. Please bless Jacob and help him do your kingdom work in the midst of in the midst of the earth right now, in the midst of the times that we're in, like Jacob was talking about. And that for those children, God, that are being raised by parents who don't know you and have been oppressed, you see that, God. You see those children. You see their tears. You hear their cries, and you want to help them, God. so blessed that that we could partner with him to reach the, the natives which we we owe and uh, you know just it's, it's such a blessing we thank you that he's going and and he's got he's carrying you to the next place as you know just pray that for the people who have no god and no hope in this world um, and so there's so many that do so that you just continue to, your angels around Father, we just thank you for your heart for the people that you've given Jacob, Lord. We pray that you would strengthen him, that you'd strengthen that dome, Father, that you would just continue to give him a hedge of protection as he goes mm -hmm. uh, against the enemy, Lord, and um, they don't like it. Father, we thank you for your protection and your peace and your comfort You're not alone. We're with you, bro. Yes. Thank you, bro. Bless you. And stay and eat with us if you can. If you got to run, I understand. Okay. Yeah, I can I know. Stay. You're a busy guy. Yeah. Um, Chris, could you come up? Now, normally I do dismiss the kids right after worship, but I'm keeping them in today because we're a mission church. Missions is what we do, and it's very important to us, and we're all involved in one way or another. 
been praying for or supporting missionaries or being missionaries, missionary kids, people who grew up as missionaries, third culture kids, internationals, uh, that's part of who we are. And so I'd like, I always like the kids to stay and listen and be a part of um, hearing from people who are ministering in other places. So that's why the kids are here. I'll let them go after Chris shares. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Welcome back, Chris. Uh, yeah, and uh, so, <laughs> thanks. Well, uh, your house, guys. Uh, the, the way uh, guest house. But uh, Anamasi, which means remembrance, the church in Hanya, Crete, and Lydia House were sister churches. And so this uh, has not changed <laughs> But God is moving behind the scenes. And I, I love this because I have to stick with the promise he gave me. This right here, the sign says, Odos, which it's a, the biblical word for a street, a road. Uh, Saint Christopher, Io Christophoros. And so I believe he gave, uh, and it, it's kind of a new sign. The house was built in 2000 and never finished on the bottom. On top, it just needs to be you know, updated and re repaired and some repairs. What's happening is uh, Greece. Um, I was thinking of Greece. I was thinking of Brazil and praying today. A, a pastor friend of mine was, uh, who's never been to America was saying how much better it is, a Greek pastor, in America. And I just said, you know, all these systems are not God's systems. And we are called to make a difference. And 20% of this property is in forest land. And it's the cesspool, which is kind of funny. Uh, so we're dealing with uh, trying to get the plans redone. So things are happening behind the scenes, but the, en our engineer believes it's going to happen. And, and uh, my partner, Elijah Elias, he, uh, his father is really, really sick and dying, and so I could, cannot be pushing, even though it's supposed to be done by now. But things move slowly in Greece. So if we could keep praying. And my friend Elias told me, partner told me that he wants to send updates to the church here as we go. So we'll do cool. that. And yeah. I'll bring that on. Uh, one exciting thing that happened in the three weeks that I was there, the next one uh, with, yeah, our friends here, um, our, our Afghan re uh, refugee asylum people that Greece has brought in, we have a party for them. And what was so exciting about this is our sister here, uh, she is uh, Air Force. And she was in Kandahar, Afghanistan. And what a blessing to be there with the, the Afghans that walked and rode and had to be, uh, you know, uh, smuggled into the country on boats and things like that, to be able to not be over there in the war, but here ministering to them. And so that's, you know, one of the big things we're doing. And we're praying for more Persian speakers. Nellie here is uh, the wife of my, my partner, Elias, and she put the thing on to, to connect with them and... So, yeah, we, we're really excited about, you know, to, to me it just breaks my heart to know that we're working with Afghans, you know, with the tie-in that we've had. And yeah. it's such a great thing to have our sister, too. To, we have U.S. military who are coming to the church. In fact, the captain of the U.S. base comes down to our church, which is epic. Because just a few years ago I was in a, in a, a lawsuit with the U.S. Navy. And so they know who I am, and they never stopped what we did. But now the captain is coming. So that's a... That's an ama amazing, uh, amazing change of events. So, um, next, uh, yeah, what you know, this is Titus three, and what happened to me in the three weeks I was there was crazy because I saw so much anointing, and it wasn't me, but it was God doing amazing things. I, it, and I found that I was not, I was like living in the place where that book was written, Titus, Crete, but. You know, it's such a word for us here. You know, and that's what it says. It says, remind, remind the believers to submit to the government as officers, obedient, always ready to do what's good. They must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. And this right here is so powerful. Once we too, Paul puts himself with the Gentiles there. We're foolish and disobedient. We were miserable and become slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and, and we hated each other. And, but, but when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed us away, away our sins, giving us a new birth, a new life through the Holy Spirit. 
And you know, this is such a good word for religious people who never feel like they're good enough. You know, so many people think they don't live you know, up to it. They go, well, we've got to get our act together. But you know what? That's not it. It's, it's like this religion has inoculated us from you know, real belief. And, and, and I live, like the Cretans are some of the worst people that have ever lived on the face of the earth. The, the, the families in my village, their name is Scandalakis, the whole family. It's little scandal. You know, they have vendettas still. And uh, they're, they're tough, tough people. You know, my blood, you know, a little bit of, uh, I believe I have a little Jew in there because there were thousands of Jews on the island. But also Philistine. You know, I mean, it's tough, tough people. So, you know, we, I, I really believe this is a word for us to remind. The Apostle Paul said it. Peter said it. Jude, the brother of Jesus, said to remind the believers who they are. We forget who we are. We forget who we are. And the kids sometimes, you guys got to see the clip from Lion King. Remember that clip? It's, it's on YouTube. And, it, and where uh, Mafusa, the dad lion, goes to a son in, in, in a dream or in a vision and says, remember who you are. Remember who you, you, I'm living in you. The king is living in you. You've forgotten who you are. And so the believers need to remember who they are. They change the culture. We bring, we bring it to the street. You know, we bring it out like, like in the early church. And also, uh, you know, we were talking, uh, and let's go to the next scene because I'm going to just close with this. Uh, yeah, not only was I living this, uh, in a sense, the book of Titus while I was there, but I also got to live with <laughs> a little Titus. And um, this, my friend here, he'll be coming here probably next year. His name is Ethiopian Greek. Born in Greece, but from Ethiopia, from uh, lovely Christian parents who could have migrated, but God kept them there. And he was, his dad was, was a, a, a mechanic for airplanes, so he could have gone to Canada, but they kept him there to raise a Titus. And just like Paul brought Titus to Jerusalem to show what had happened among the Gentiles, Bedeket, his name means blessing in like 12 languages, Arabic, Turkish, Bedeket, He's to show the Greeks who the true God is because, you know, the Greeks are pretty racist people. And this guy right here, I lived with him for three weeks. He encouraged my heart so much he, because, you know, Paul, when he was in an uh, open door for, in Asia Minor for him, but he was so he – couldn't, he couldn't do it because he didn't have Titus. He got to Macedonia and was totally refreshed because he was depressed and down. And that's what happened to me. I go through a lot of depression at times and the warfare over there, but – Living with this guy, and I lived with him, literally. We lived in the bottom of the church for three weeks, and we spent so much time and, uh, you know, discipling, but it was, like, natural, you know. And that one-on-one -on -one thing that Jack was talking about last week, that is key. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we need to have groups. We need to have groups, but we need one-on-one. -on -one. And, and it, it comes through, like, being with each other, traveling together, working together. And so I, I see Titus as here. The kids, they're, they're coming up. But Jacob is a Titus. You know, I, I really believe that. They're the ones who changed the world. The Apostle Paul ended up, you know, getting martyred. And then what happened after? These guys, Timothy and Titus and Lydia, you know, to make it full-rounded. Lydia, all these people changed the world and their disciples. But it came in community and it came one-on-one. -on -one and, and so that one-on-one -on -one thing, may God do that. Well, he's, he's stirring us up, so... Yeah, and uh, so if, and as you pray for Greece, pray for this house. You know, Greece is kind of like a weird kind of socialist combined with anarchy. You know, I mean, nobody, people don't want to pay their taxes. They haven't, you know, these Greek businessmen haven't paid. So we need to keep praying for that place and our impact there for the nations. Crete is like a huge aircraft carrier for, to, to hit the, the nations. So, so um, and yeah, we welcome you all hopefully by the fall, the summer. You, uh, some of you will be able to come, okay? Amen. Thanks yeah. for thanks for the update. Um, let's have a couple of people pray for Chris and for the house. Spirit anointed 
Barnabas and Paul to go out and share the gospel of Jesus Christ raised from the dead. With those people, and I pray that you would revive that place, revive that, that place where that house is and where missionaries come and serve you and where people come and find hospitality under that house, that they would be reminded that you are their hospitality, you are their shelter, you are their safe place to rest. Every day of their lives, God, may they pray that that message would be clearly seen through Chris's life and through what 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 we're doing here as a body of believers, supporting, supporting this ministry and also being involved in the Thank you, Lord. Amen. So, kids, you have been amazing. You can go with um, Karen upstairs, and I think Naomi's maybe going to go too. So, thank you. And uh, so, Luann and Jacob and Chris literally preached my sermon already. Um, like, literally, it'd be super freaky if I didn't believe in the Holy Spirit, um, who does that sort of thing. <coughs> so, I'm praying about how to proceed here. Um, I'm just going to take about 15 minutes, and then we're going to eat some food together. Uh, but I'd like you to, why don't you close your eyes? <clears throat> I've got a little exercise for you. Kids, don't close your eyes while you walk. But adult, adults, please close your eyes for a minute. And I'm going to say some things and ask some questions, and just keep your eyes closed. Um, you don't have to share any of this. Um, this is just personal. Um, I want you to picture God. Just picture God in your mind. And now take, a, take like a snapshot of that. Take a snapshot of what you saw when you pictured God. And I want, you to a- I want to ask you some questions about that photograph. Think about this. Don't answer. Keep your eyes closed. But how far away is he from you right now in that picture? Like, is he uh, as close as the person in front of you? Is he as close as I am relative to you? Is it a big room? And he's down towards the end. Just make a mental note. How far away is he from where you're looking? Next, what does he look like? Just look at that photograph. What does he look like? And when you first pictured God and took that little picture, was he looking at you or was he looking somewhere else? Was he looking off to the side, looking down, looking up? Was he looking at you? Just make a note of that. And I want you to make a note of what, it, what is the look on his face? When you first pictured him, what was the look on his face? Is he stoic? Is he emotionless? Did he look maybe disappointed? Did he look mad? What was the look on his face? And as you first pictured that, looked at that little picture in your head, 
did you feel like he was waiting for you to mess up? Or did he, you feel like maybe he was wanting to punish you? So we're going to keep our eyes closed for another minute. Um, and I'm going to make some statements. Because our image of God, how we think of God, how we view God, is really important. And I'll talk about that more in a minute. But if you felt during that exercise any sort of strong negative reaction, like if your heart sank at some point, or you felt fear at all, then I want to suggest to you that your picture of God is distorted. If you felt like he was wanting to punish you, or he was waiting for you to mess up, then your picture of God is distorted. If the look on his face when you pictured him was mad or disappointed or emotionless or stoic, then your picture of God, how you're thinking about God, is distorted. If, when you first pictured God, he was looking anywhere except right at you, then your picture of God is distorted. If, when you first pictured God, he was anywhere other than right by you, in front of you or next to you, if he was anywhere else, then your picture of God is distorted. Okay, you can open your eyes. Uh, That may have been an uncomfortable exercise. You can let me know afterwards. Pastor Paul and I have said many, many times that our picture of God is the most important thing in our life, followed by our picture of ourselves. How we view God and how we view ourselves are the most important things in our life. Now, why is that true? Tons of reasons, but we're short on time, so I'll say one. Jesus said the most important thing is that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is that we love our neighbor as ourselves. right? Golden rule. If our picture of God is wrong... We can't possibly love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength properly. Make sense? If it's wrong somehow, then we can't love the way we're supposed to. If our view of ourself, the way we see ourselves, is wrong, then we can't love ourselves the way we're supposed to. And so we can't possibly love our neighbor as ourselves. We can't show the love of God for others in the way that we show it for ourselves because we're not showing ourselves the right kind of love. Does that make sense? And so how we see God, how we view God, what we think of when we think of God, is super important. I can't stress enough how important it is. And how we think of ourselves is super important. And Chris talked about that. Um, Over the course of this year, one of the things that we're going to hit again and again and again is understanding the proper biblical view of who God actually is and who we are. I have been ministering to Christians for 24 years, and in my experience, most Christians have a distorted view of God at least a little bit. And I think all of us have a distorted view of God from time to time. Okay? And there's tons of reasons that I'm not going to get into right now why that may be true. It could be bad, bad teaching, bad theology, just the religious culture that we live in. It could be the devil's lies, that we don't realize we're listening to him and believing things that are not true about God. It, uh, a big one is misunderstanding the Old Testament. That's a big one. So there are a lot of different reasons why our view of God might get a little bit distorted. Um, if, and Paul's talked about this quite a bit, if we have a father wound, if someone in authority in our life at some point hurt us, then our picture of God, authority, a parental figure is not going to be right until we get healed from what happened. Okay, so there's a lot of reasons why our view of God might be a little bit distorted. But it's my job as a pastor to smash that distorted view. (laughs) that you have. Because if we have a distorted view of who God is, we've basically set up an idol that looks a little bit like God, but it's not God. Okay? Idols are bad. As a leader, it's my job to smash those suckers. And so we need to destroy some of the misconceptions we have about who God is, about who we are. And over the course of this year, we're going to do that. And if you come along with me, 
I'm not going to sing. Um, and, I'll, and cooperate with the Holy Spirit and allow those idols to, to go away, to be smashed. And if you allow God to reveal to you who he really is and who he isn't, then by the end of this year, your life can be radically different than it is now. Your relationships can be radically better than they are now. Your marriages can be radically better than they are now. Because everything in our life flows from who we think God is and who we think we are. And many of us are wrong about both of those things from time to time. So if you felt like, don't feel condemned, okay? <laughs> if in one of those things you heard me say your view of God is distorted, that puts you in the majority of people. Um, but if after you heard me say that you felt a little bit concerned, then that's okay. You should feel concerned because it's a big deal. Um, according to Jesus in Luke 11, our proper picture of who God is should be a loving father who wants to give good gifts to his kids, who is on our side, who is always for us. Even when, and that's the passage of going to the neighbor and asking for bread, the neighbor doesn't come out. I'm, I'm busy, I'm not going to come, and he knocks and knocks and knocks. That neighbor, who's begrudging, is God the Father in that story. Why put God the Father in a villain role in a story? Jesus is saying, this is how you see God. You see God as someone who's unwilling to give you what you need. That's not true, but let's say it even was true just for sake of argument, even if it was true, he's still going to eventually give you what you're asking for if you annoy him enough. And Jesus is saying, look, that's, that's not who God is, but if you're persistent and keep praying, um, he's going to give you what you need. He is a loving father. He wants to give us what we need. And another picture of God, I think the best picture of God, and there's a lot of them, is Jesus said, John 14, 9, Philip says, I think it's Philip, he says, Jesus, just one more thing before you go, one more thing. Can you show us the Father? Just show us the Father and that'll be enough. And Jesus, poor guy, is like, I've been with you three and a half years now, and you don't understand that if you have seen me, you have seen the Father already. If you have seen Jesus, you have seen the Father. I'm not talking about the Jesus in your brain or the Jesus you were taught in Sunday school. I'm talking about the Jesus in the pages of this book Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That Jesus is God. He is the exact image of God. God looks exactly like Jesus because Jesus was exactly like the Father. He's the spitting image of his dad. Okay? And I'm not talking physically, obviously, but he's exactly like his dad. He said, if you see me, you've already seen the Father. This is who the Father is. And so when we're trying to figure out what is God really like, what is his attitude towards me, how does he act around other people, what does God do? Look at Jesus in the Bible. That is who God is. That is the exact representation of God. In Colossians 2, um, the author says, in him, Jesus, the complete fullness of God dwelt in a human being. The complete fullness of God. Everything that is God dwelt in Jesus. He was it. He's exactly what we're supposed to look at. That was one of the reasons he came. He came for the sacrifice, for the atonement, to pay the punishment for our sins. Yes, but he also came to show us who God was, what God was like. God's exactly like Jesus. I'm going to read Romans. Actually, open up your Bible. Romans 5. We don't open the Bible. It's not church, right? So Romans 5. I'm going to read 6 through 9. If you're ever looking for some good theology, the best bit of theology ever written, in my opinion, is Romans chapters 5 through 8. If you can understand those, you can disciple anybody. Romans 5, we're going to just look at 6, verse 6 through 9. This tells us about what Jesus did and who God is to us through him. For while we were still weak... At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one is not likely to die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one might even dare to die. But God shows his kindness and his kind of love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. So we were all sinners, and sin incurs debt. Um, the word forgiveness is a, is a financial word in Hebrew. Forgiveness literally means to pay off money that you owe someone else. 
And so when the Bible says we are forgiven, it means Jesus has paid our debt. We owe, anybody here owe student loans? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to get negative. Um, right, imagine someone coming and paying your debt. You're like, please, okay? That would be amazing, right? Well, that's what Jesus did, except the whole debt of our lives. And he paid that. And by sinning and by doing the things that, that we all have done, um, that incurs wrath from God. It incurs punishment from God. And so this says that we've been justified by his blood. By what Jesus did, as we enter into what he did and accept his sacrifice, we are now justified before God. We're not sinners anymore. We're former sinners. That's not to say that we don't still do stuff wrong sometimes. We do, but that's not who we are anymore. That's not our real identity anymore. We're not sinners anymore. We're saints. We're children. And we've been justified. We've been bought. Our debt was all purchased by him. And how much more will we be saved by him from the wrath of God? So God doesn't punish Christians. He can't. Because any sin you've ever committed that would need wrath or punishment has already been put on Jesus. In him, the punishment for us all was laid. The punishment for us all, all of our sins, everything we've ever done, all, every bit of wrath, every bit of punishment that we've incurred in our lives, God put on Jesus on the cross a really long time ago. And so this idea that God's out to get us and that he wants to punish us and that we're in super, super huge trouble is a lie. That is not God. That is Satan. It's Satan. If I were to characterize the view of most Christians in America about who God is, it would be a white guy with white hair and a big shaggy beard sitting in a chair or a throne or something with a surly look on his face. And he is just waiting around for us to screw up so he can punish us. That is most people's view of God. Okay? I'm talking Christians here. At least a little bit. That's our view of God. That is not God. That is the devil. The devil is the accuser, not God. The devil is the one who says, you screwed up. You're never going to be good enough. You can't come before the Lord. That's his job. That's not God. It's the opposite of that, okay? We have to be careful about what we think of God in our head. I'm not saying if your view is wrong, you're worshiping the devil. Don't, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you, at some point you've believed a lie about who God is. And we need to get the truth in us to understand who God is. God is not that guy. He already judged our sin on the cross. Jesus paid a huge penalty for our sin. Amen? And that's done. Long done. If we don't walk in the redemption and the justification that he's given for us, then what was that all for? But a lot of us, we join the family of God, we get justified, but then we never do anything because we feel so terrible and shameful. But that's the devil trying to get us to feel that way. God doesn't bring shame, ever. It's not his job. That's the devil's job. The devil brings shame, not God. I call this view of God that I think most people have angry God because um, that's who he is. He's kind of angry. He likes to smite. It's not God. That's the face of Satan. Don't worship that face. Okay? I'm not saying you... If we get it wrong, we're devil worshiping. That's, that's crazy. I'm saying we're worshiping an idol, something that's not quite God. It looks maybe a little bit like God, but it's not. And that's dangerous. It's not good. And we can be freed from that. We can be freed from that. I want to look at just one more place. This is uh, number six, and it's the benediction that Paul or I usually give at the end of every service. Okay? This is who God is. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And keep means protect, keep you safe, okay? May the Lord bless you and keep you. That is who God actually is. He is always blessing you, and he has a desire to bless you and protect you. A lot of us don't feel like God is blessing us. A lot of us tend to feel like God is actually holding back because we're not good enough. And if we could manage to live a good enough Christian life, then we'd get blessed, and then we'd get protected. But right now, we're sort of on our own. Or we have a view of God who's just sort of capricious and aloof and like not that involved in our lives. But that is not God. Okay? God is blessing you and protecting you. That's who he is. May the Lord smile on you. So not only is God always looking at you, but when he looks at you, he smiles. 
That's not the God that most of us picture in our head. Most of us picture a, either a totally stoic emotionless or actually a pretty grumpy or angry or punishing God. That is the devil. Okay? He's the one who is angry and makes us feel shameful and makes us lower our gaze. A lot of people, when they picture God, they don't picture him looking at them either because they feel shame and they don't want to meet God's eye or they feel God is ashamed of them and he doesn't want to meet our eye. But he is looking right at you and he is smiling when he does it. That is who God actually is. This is the truth of scripture. God is smiling on you. And be gracious to you. God is giving you grace, and grace upon grace. That's who he is. Most of us don't picture a God who's constantly giving us grace. We picture a God who's judging us. We picture a God who makes us feel like we're never good enough, and we're always screwing up. Why can't we just get our stupid act together? That is the devil. He is the accuser of the brethren. He's the one who's always saying, you're not doing it. You're not going to measure up. Because he wants you to be as miserable as he is. That is not God. God is giving grace upon grace upon grace. That's who he is. That's what the face of God actually looks like. May the Lord look upon you with favor or show you his favor. Again, we have that look upon, which I think is so important. But favor, what does it mean to look upon someone with favor? It's like, yep, you're my favorite. I can't help it. I can't help it. It doesn't matter what they said about you. I don't care. I don't care what they said about you. The devil came and said you did all this stuff. I don't even care. Maybe you did that, but it's already covered because you're under the blood of Jesus. So I don't see that sin. And I am going to be really unfair towards you. I'm going to be unjustly biased on your behalf. That's what favor means. Favor means that God is going to be unjustly biased on your behalf. Favor. Very few of us picture that when we picture God. May he look on you with favor. He not only loves you and not only accepts you and not only smiles at you, he's stacking the deck for you. Literally. God is not fair. He is unfair towards you in a good way, not in a bad way. Opposite of the devil who is unjust and unfair in a bad way towards you at all times. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Many of us, we picture God, we don't feel peace. We feel shame, maybe rejection, maybe fear. We think about God, we tend to feel a little bit of negative emotion. That's not God. That's not the face of God. When we, when we have a proper picture of God, a biblical picture of who God is, and, and we think of him, we feel peace. And so that's a little test. If you're not sure, maybe my view of God is a little corrupted at the moment. When you think about him, picture him, do you feel peace or not? Because if you don't, then your view is a little messed up because you should feel peace. Now, again, there's no condemnation here, okay? All of us at some point, sometimes multiple points in our life, have a slightly distorted view of who God is or who God is for us right now. If that's the case, I was about to say it's okay. It's not okay, (laughs) actually. It's not okay at all. But God will help you to replace that thing and chuck it and to replace it with a view of who he really is. And over this next year, we're going to be looking a lot at who God is and who we are so that we can replace those messed up views with something that's true. Spoiler alert, he looks just like Jesus. I want to pray for you. Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus to show us once and for all who you really are. Lord, we repent of believing lies about you, believing lies about who you are and about how you feel towards us. We didn't know. We didn't know we were believing something that wasn't true. So we're sorry, Lord, for the times that we have thought of you in a way that was not true. I pray, Lord God, that you would destroy any false idols in our mind, that you would destroy any image that is not who you really are. I pray that you would come against feelings of judgment, shame, unworthiness, Jesus took care of all of that on the cross. We are justified through him, and how much more are we saved by him from the wrath of God? 
we thank you that you, Father, poured out all that punishment and all that wrath on Jesus so that we could be justified and so that when you look at us, you see his righteousness, not our own sin. I don't understand how that works, but I love it. And I pray that you would reveal that to each one of us here and put it deep in our hearts. I pray that you would give us revelation, even this next week. Holy Spirit, move in our hearts and our minds and give us a revelation of where we are thinking wrongly of you or feeling wrongly about you or from you. Show us those areas that we've been corrupted, that our view is off somehow. And restore the proper view of who you are. Teach us the truth. Um, Jesus promised that, Holy Spirit, you would lead us into all truth and remind us of everything you said. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask you to fulfill that mission, to remind us of what Jesus has said and who he is, and to lead us into all truth, especially the truth about who you are and about who we are. And I pray against any condemnation right now in Jesus' name. If we feel a little convicted or like this applies to us, then that's okay. Accept that from the Holy Spirit and cooperate with him. But we should not feel shame right now about having a wrong view. Shame is not of God. We should not feel condemned. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so if any of us are now believing a lie about the lie, we rebuke that in Jesus' name. No condemnation, no shame. Help us to walk after you like children and receive from you like empty vessels. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And may the Lord bless you and protect you. May he cause his face to smile on you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.